Yo, what's up, you guys? So today I've got with me Brian Scott. Brian is the host of the Reality Revolution podcast, and he's the author with the same title, The Reality Revolution, The Mind-Blowing Movement to Hack Your Reality. He's also a life coach, a meditation instructor, a motivational speaker, and a bunch of other dope things, you know what I'm saying? But most importantly, he's a cool guy. So Brian, welcome to the show, man. What's up, brother? It's good to see you, man. Yeah, yeah. Long time no chat. So we'll just get right into it. You know, maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself, like your journey, your background, and then how you ended up getting into, you know, the things that you're doing now that you're sharing now online. Yeah, I find that when, when I uh, when I talk about myself in that way, I, I'm a lot like anybody else, any major spiritual seeker. I've had the ups and downs. I, I mean, I, I don't really come to you like some sort of ascended master or expert or genius or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> but people have resonated in, in the ways I've shared my own spiritual journey. And so I was fortunate when I was younger to become an avid speed reader. And so uh, I've, I've researched a, a lot, and, and but I went through a period of time in my life where I, I was really struggling and drinking a lot and you know thought that I had lost everything and so I chose at that time when I had no other resources to really focus on how I could use my mind to get out of the situation that I'd found myself in I was in a state of deep poverty and debt and and had lost the love of my life and so I started experimenting with my consciousness and becoming sort of a consciousness astronaut if you might say awesome um, with the amount of stuff that I had read, I started researching it and I started experiencing these really amazing shifts in my reality. And then I had this crazy event where somebody uh, had broken into my house and they shot at me and the bullet bounced off my back. And so I had realized all this knowledge I had, this incredible amount of knowledge was useless. I had never really shared it with anybody and it was going to just die with me. And I was really fortunate and grateful to to be alive. And so I just made it my goal and my mission that every day is a new day that I don't deserve. And I'm trying to go out and help other people with the things that I've learned in changing and transforming their my their life. And, and, and in the process, it's transformed my life. And it's been a, a lot of fun. I've, I've got a chance to meet a lot of cool people like you along the way. And thank you. I've got to see a lot of people that have taken what I've taught and and really seeing huge and amazing supernatural changes in their life and with their finances in the way they find relationships and the way they awaken spiritually and it's so amazing so exciting that it's become you know my the purpose of my life is to continue to learn more because i think I, i'm a learn teacher as i learn i teach and as i teach i learn and so as i do this it feels like i've gone through different levels of learning with the people that share my podcast. And so, you know, from the book that I wrote so many years ago, we're just like, you know, the book's down here and we're, we're like way up here and it's getting, and we're becoming more advanced every day with the stuff that we're mutually learning as a group. And it's exciting. I've interviewed you on my podcast last night and I've sort of tried to integrate all this stuff that I'm learning because what I find is there's this plethora of information that is out there. And sometimes it can be sort of overwhelming. There's so much and people don't know how to dissect it. And they, the, people are also open to learning and they see the ridiculousness of the current spiritual practices and, and, the, and the way that they're so stereotypical and so obvious and cliche. And, and you just walk 
and and you try to find information, then it becomes overwhelming, and there's all these paradoxes. And so I feel like I'm sort of a facilitator in helping people um, digest all this information. I'm sort of a conduit uh, for people that don't really have the time, and and I'm reading stuff for them and teaching them from this stuff. And maybe that's an answer of, of who I am. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Appreciate that, Brian. You know, yeah. when I found your channel several years ago, dude, it was. We have a lot of similarities, right? Because you and I were yeah. both like into like Neville Goddard, Law of Assumption, Law of Attraction, channeling, and you were just pumping out all these videos. So I was always encouraged. And what I liked about you, bro, is, uh, you know, you just come off very genuine and authentic and you are like that learner teacher thing you said. It's like you're, yeah. you're teaching as you go, right? You're learning and, and just like, that's just how I am. And I just really resonated with a lot of the stuff that you were sharing. But, you know, I want to go back to what you mentioned earlier. You know, I, I did read your book and yeah, I didn't, you're a good writer. <laughs> it was like, it, it was a very, it was a lot of very exhaustive, but very comprehensive. And I was telling Remy about it. I was like, yeah, Brian's a good writer, man. He knows a lot of things, <laughs> you know? So I know there's a lot of content you can keep pumping out, but you did mention just a while ago, but in the beginning of your book about that time when you had someone show up at your house and someone shot at you. So I want to talk about that because I know that was kind of something that, was life-changing for you and kind of led you down some sort of trajectory in your life, right? So do you mind kind of taking us step-by-step yeah. step in that? Because I love stories, right? And you know my channel, like oh, yeah. I love sharing stories. So it gets mind... trippy too. Yeah, yeah, I know it does. So when he shot at, he shot at quote-unquote you, yeah. I would like you to elaborate on what that means. So I'm a big American football fan. I root for my Broncos. I was raised a Bronco fan. <laughs> at least at, at the time of my spiritual, uh, I was still super into the Broncos. And, and this is the Bron <laughs> this is the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, and the, my 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 team won the Super Bowl. So when when that happens, when your team wins the Super Bowl, <laughs> you just you, you don't go to sleep. You, you you sit there and you watch everything that they say, and you just kind of bask in the in the joy of it. And and I was just I was doing that. And so I think what happened is I I lived in a house uh, where you could walk out the uh, the living room, and then I, you could walk over to the bedroom. And there's two sliding doors, and there was like a big backyard you know, in the back with a pool and they had jumped into the backyard and then had checked my bedroom and nobody was there. And these people were home invasions had gone on in my neighborhood. They had not really seen, I think it was like three or four in the morning, right? They, they, they I had passed out on the couch, kind of just still watching TV and they had not seen me. And so they had gone in through the, the, uh, the door. And so what I, I kind of looked over and I noticed that I had a, a screen, the glass door was halfway open and, and, and I would never do that. I freak out. I, my, one of my favorite things in, in, in my world is my cat. <laughs> so I was like, oh shit, my cat's <laughs> got out. And I've been so, so like distracted watching TV <laughs> that I let my cat out. So I'm looking down, I'm looking down everywhere and I'm calling his name, you know, PJ, where are you brother? You know, where are you? You know? And I walk up to the, to the back door and there's this kid holding a gun just pointed right at me so i don't know why but my first instinct was to shut the door and i turned and i ran and it was one of those glass doors that has double pane so right when they fired and i've i've if people have heard interviews of me they've probably heard the same story but I, you know i, I got to tell it you know so it is what it is but I, I everything slowed down for me and it was there was a point in time and, it, and you know how you go back and look at high consciousness moments 
it's like they aren't real or it's hard to remember them they're just like when it's happening it's so like i'll never forget this but it's such a high level of consciousness that you just barely remember and um it, it's still very clear to me because it was like time froze I was in a movie and I'm a big science fiction fan so I, I could you know I'm like uh, um but I I could hear the pop of the gun and it wasn't a loud gun it was like a 22 so I think that's part of it um and then the bullet hitting the glass and I could hear the shattering of the first glass and then a long time and I'm looking around and I'm starting to see like it's sort of like uh, uh echoes or reflections that are slightly different all around me of different variations of this event you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. i even sensed my own presence like i had come back in time and i was monitoring it and and and, and so then uh you know i'm i i'm i'm running and and i'm seeing i see myself in blood over here i see myself um in shot in the leg over here and i hear the second window break you know and then i um i feel like a a thump on my back and I turn the corner and there's someone else in the other room and, and they fire at me. And it's just like, I, I could see the bullet just like, like I had experienced this moment yeah. before, yeah. like it was a moment frozen in time or something. And so then I was able to escape through the, through garage and, and they, you know, ran off and eventually, you know, they, they, they were able to find them and they were literally people living across the street from me. Oh, really? And so, Oh, wow. yeah and so what's okay. here's the really crazy thing so then after i had that happen i i went back found my cat my cat it was okay he came awesome. back even though the, the glass was shattered and they uh, the, the cops showed up and, and they said you know something's wrong you're bleeding there's a little bit of blood trickling down your back call the ambulance take me in um you know what i mean like i, I they 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 took my shoes you know they have those little paper shoes they give you at the, mm. at the hospital and so i'm <laughs> yeah. and then they took my and then so i had like this paper gown and they're just checking me out and they're like we don't see anything that did the bullet didn't it, it didn't enter and you know they, later they found the bullet it had bounced off my back and lodged into um into the wall and maybe it was because it was a 22 and the bullet was slowed down by the window but it felt like something else like something else had sort of happened in that moment that i had uh had something had happened so when i came back to my house i noticed little different things like a different lampstand started to get back into my usual routine you know maybe i'd go for a run and there's a lot that i would always cut across because you always cut i'm you know i'll cut across an empty lot and then i came upon it and it was an a, a, a old building that had been there and then and i started really getting concerned i started seeing shifts like movie references it was it was like my own personal like what uh, people have experienced the mandela effect it was my own little personal mandela effect there was movies that i knew that had never been made movies that had ha happened I, i'm a big movie fan my <laughs> favorite band has like this album that i never had been like i've listened to all their albums so many things that you know i i went i went to a, a therapist and i said you know i think i've suffered some sort of post-traumatic stress you know i'm aware of of the the um, the APA and the different ways that they medically treats, you know, psychosis. And I, and I thought that I had experienced some sort of, of stress or trauma that had caused me to not remember it had impaired my memory. And they said, you know, nothing was wrong with me. And I continued to see shifts more and more that had happened after that. And so I started to really, at first, worry that I was had gone insane. 
I wanted to prove in some part of me that I wasn't insane. So I used that knowledge of, of research and I was a debater in college and I, and I learned how to speed read and really, really fast. So I, I literally read like thousands of books. I, I I become adept at, at quantum physics, interviewed quantum physics teachers in my area. When I become obsessed with something, it's kind of crazy. And I, and I so the, during this time, I started experimenting because really I knew that it's not just knowledge that's going to help me. I need to experiment. I started doing different yoga techniques, exercise techniques, and energy techniques, and constantly, you know, magic techniques and ways for me to shift into realities. And I started to figure out that I could experience and shift into different realities and that this was actually something that could be taught as techniques that could be taught and ways of understanding um, that I could do. And so that that was what was so profound about it. And when I had gone back and realized, you know, I should be dead. I had saved like, and, and I can send you, I have, I had saved in my bookmarks, the articles about the event, you know, I had you know, a man was shot and, and, and two, two were arrested. And I had saved these four articles. And I went back the other day to, to post because somebody had asked about it. And and um, one of the articles said, man dies in home invasion. What? What? One of the articles, when you click on it, it was a dead link, right? It was like, I would not have saved the article that said it. So then I started to really start questioning if I was actually alive. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I was if I was in a, in such a state where I was not ready to die, and it would be so devastating, and then I had known about what Neville Goddard said. He talks about how when you die, you end up in a twenty year old body, and that you you think you're you continue to live your life. You have the same fears, you have the same loves, and you keep on moving on. I still think that because my life is so wonderful and so crazy, I would never have imagined that I would be somebody that does YouTube and a writer. At the time, I was just, you know, in, in the mortgage business and I sold books. As a result of that, I had made a commitment that, like, how can I make a difference with this knowledge? Because it became a really powerful way to transform yourself almost instantaneously. Somebody that I had experienced uh, struggles with overcoming, um, I drink, drink all these, used to drink all the time. And you could, I could use these techniques to instantaneously overcome an addiction. I could help people that were drinking one day and the next day they, they felt they had no desire to drink. I had people that I would talk to that they're, they were lonely one day and the next day they're literally in love with somebody. And I started seeing it become so exciting. I know that you have seen this too. When you start teaching this and then people come to you and then you kind of help them and then you see it happen and it seems like it happens more intensely for other people than yourself because you're not a part of it, you know? Um, it becomes just so enthralling and exciting. It's just so powerful that it, it, it's like um, my life's dedicated to it because I see people that are struggling and it's like, dude, you're just like a, a reality away. You can see it right there. And the more you start to see the multiverse, you can see the other possibilities for people. And you look at people and they are struggling, the, the, the homeless man on the street. Uh, the woman that is dying and you can see that all they have to do is just simply jump into another reality. And then I, you know, um, so <laughs> that hopefully answers your question. Oh yeah. Right? That answered. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, now, there, now there's more questions though. <laughs> right. You know, at least for my, the, the viewers, you know, I love your passion about this man. Like, so we'll, we'll get into the whole, you know, jumping into different realities, of, you know, yeah. for people who have certain desires. But so what the heck happened then? You know, like, what do you think happened that day? Because obviously, 
there were some different things that you were no- I mean, I, there were actually pretty big things like buildings and your dad. So what happened? I, I cannot give a definitive. I, as I've done this shifting I talk about, I've started to learn how to communicate with my higher self, which I, I have been taught in the law of one. My higher self is like me, like 3 billion years in the future. And so I, I've actually started to learn how to communicate with this version of myself. There's a version of yourself that comes back through time and that helps you. And so I've gotten a little bit better of idea of what happened. This was an important catalyst to propel me on my path. And there's definitely a reality where I died. But more importantly, when I was alive a couple of days later, right? I astrally traveled back in time to myself to tell myself to wake up, to look at the door. And I remember when I had that experience, I was like, something alerted me to look over at the door. And so I, I kind of feel like I went back and, and helped myself out. And that this was this was something that was supposed to happen to me, that it was it's sort of a, a catalyst that set up this, for this journey for me to experience this and then teach it. Because in in reality, I, I I'm just I'm just nothing more than a teach learner that has been placed in this in particular place, and, and I found my purpose. You know, the world is becoming multidimensional. We're entering into a new actual level of quantum reality, a, a quantum shift in our entire planet. There's a fourth density light, a more complex form of light that makes up everything, and we are entering into a world of of a multiversal reality. That's why you see it on the on Every great movie it is about parallel. You see Endgame. I, I could literally name hundreds of movies and TV shows and books. People are not aware of, 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 of this. And so I, I feel like I sort of became like a facilitator for people to actualize this reality, this thing that you can actually shift because we do live. And th- there's going to be a time in the future where I think that everybody acknowledges for sure that we shift into realities and that they will be aware of it and they will be shifting on purpose. Maybe not now, maybe like 80, 100 years from now, it's going to be a multiversal world, mm. if that makes sense. People, yeah, yeah. maybe maybe with active technologies for some people, they'll use virtual realities and controlled quantum states, and we will be able to use controlled observer states in the lab so people can shift. I don't know. It's, it's something I'm fascinated. But I, I feel like if you ask me what happened, I, I don't think I'll ever know until I uh, move to a higher level of knowing. Uh, but I do suspect that this this was I had planned for this thing to happen to me as as at some point where I was meant to experience this because it propelled me as a catalyst to realize it 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 took me away from myself that the world that we're in is really designed so that all we think about is ourselves all the time and and I, i'm I'm no different, you know, I was inside myself, my own mind, my own world. And I sort of stepped outside of myself and realized if I had died, Mm. my kids, what would they have thought of me of just this loser that died that night? You know, what are my friends? What would I have been looked at? What all this stuff I could have done. So it gave me this inner purpose and fire that I probably wouldn't have had if I hadn't have had that experience. Everybody I meet that's, you know, on the spiritual journey has something like that. I've met so many people that have had near-death experiences that have had different events where they could have died or they overcame stuff. That's just one portion of mine. And I'm sure, you you know, when you told me your story uh, about what you had gone through and how you want tried to heal and stuff, um, that was a part of that propelled you on your journey, right? Definitely. So, definitely. Yeah. It's amazing. It definitely was something that propelled you, you know, to go on this path. And you even mentioned in your book, I remember just saying, reality isn't what you think it is. Because, you know, when you're dead, you're dead. Obviously, that's how people think. 
and here you are, you're alive, <laughs> right? And right. One, day, one day there's no building and now there's a building and then your kids are one way and your kids are, I mean, so what is reality then? Because if it's not just this physical world, you know, we're just solid and, and dense and it is what it is. And you're saying, no, it isn't what it is. How would you define reality then? Reality is what it is to you. Okay. It's an individualized, personalized experience. Each of us are living within our own reality tunnels or bubbles. Mm. And our our realities interact and we're co-creating on some level these different realities, but reality is what it is to me. There's no other way for me to truly understand reality. I do believe that the reality that I'm experiencing now in this limited body with just two eyes and two ears and 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 sensory organs, my mouth and nose is a very limited world, very much like the the people that live in the cave like Plato's cave story you know and and they barely understand they see the shadows on the wall and I and I think that uh you know that the, the the reality what we think is we're experiencing a limited version within this avatar body that we walk around in and as we become more aware of how reality can shift as we learn from quantum physics uh it's it's not a stuck reality that is shared by all my reality is different than yours. We, we we share some realities when we interact, but reality is what it is for me, and it's different for you. That's the best way for me to explain it. But I've been trying to answer that with each of my episodes, and <laughs> I don't think that there's an answer. Reality is an illusion. There is no true reality except for the creator. When you're in the creator's grasp and breath in that moment, in those moments of the eternal now. But other than that, everything else is just an illusion. When you think about you, you were mentioning about how you know we could choose our reality and we have a choice, but then you know a lot of people with their reality they think it's fate. Like, okay, here I am. This is my money situation. This is my health situation. Maybe the universe or God is giving this to me for, you know, to teach me a couple of lessons in this life. So to a lot of people that would be fate. But are you saying that there's another version of them that like if they want to get out of that, or is it really meant to be for them to be sick so they can learn these lessons in life? What's your thoughts on that? It's a little bit different for everybody. I think that we are, in most cases, the architects of our fate. But as I have learned from Quo, one of my great teachers, is that um, it's it's a great paradox that we realize. When we realize that we are of the creator, that we have the spark of, of the creator within us, and as Jesus like to say, I am God, like we are, as, as Neville Goddard taught, that we are God, that if we are God, why is it the things that we're desiring are not manifesting in the world? Why isn't it? And why aren't, aren't things happening exactly like we want them? You know what I mean? Like if I lose a limb, why can't I immediately replace it? And that is why we're here. We chose to come from a place of immediate and absolute manifestation to a limit, to a, a, this limit, which limits our access to this universal subconscious mind. And we are in this process of limiting for a reason. And while we do have this power that we had before, uh, we have this, th there's only one requirement, and that is that we have to believe. And we have to place our attention on that thing for it to grow. And we need to have love in order for it to be flourishing. And so we, uh, we, we are learning lessons that allow us to polarize in a certain way while we're in this illusion which is nothing more than sort of a video game that um each moment is 
a catalyst that helps us determine where we're going. It's like a choose your own adventure story. And that we're, we're choosing where it goes. Do you remember those books back, in, back in the day? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. The choose your, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm just going along. Um, and that's what we're, um, and this illusion is we're inside the book, choosing our adventure as we go to the next level of consciousness. That's just my theory. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you know, Neville talks about how this is, we live in a world, he calls it like the, the school of educated darkness, you know, so there are things that we're learning in this life, just like the stuff that you're sharing, the stuff that I've been through right. that have been challenging for us. Neville's been made fun of for his voice, you know, or the teacher even told the class, I'll never make a living speaking, <laughs> you know, and then he ended up being who he was today. Right. He even mentioned about how that kind of, he's like, maybe I needed that jolt in my life, you know, so, but it's like really hard in those moments to, to think that you can get out of it, right? Because people do feel stuck. Right, especially if it's been an experience for them for years, whether it's financially, romantically, or you know, health-wise. But you mentioned about there's like all we have to do is believe, though. And just in my experience, in my conversation with people, religious or not, a lot of people have different ways of explaining what what believe means. You know, because a lot of people say, "Well, I believe that yeah. nothing happened." Another person has a different experience when they say that they believe. So, how would you define? You know, if we were to use, use that, you know, typical phrase, what, 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 what would you say is like the secret to manifesting? What, what does real belief look like to you, right? The more, as, as you can share with me as somebody that is regularly working on manifesting, the one thing that you start to realize is that your beliefs and thoughts are also unconsciously creating. And so once you become to this incredible realization that you are playing a role as architect of your fate, you then start to realize that your unconscious and subconscious mind is also playing a role. And it has beliefs. It has been installed with beliefs that you're not even aware of. In some cases, there are accidental beliefs that occurred from when we we're younger and they continue to flourish. And sometimes what we're doing is excavating these old beliefs in order to believe. We, we, we want to believe this thing. <laughs> but then there's this little doubt. And where does that doubt come from? It maybe comes from our mom, you know, saying that money doesn't grow on trees, Brian, it's going to be hard for you to, to make money. It's going to be difficult for you to be successful. Most people don't make it that, you know, high. It's, it's never going to really happen for you. And so if I have that as a belief, then I say, I am successful. And I start to visualize myself as successful. There's also this counteracting force within my subconscious that I have to deal with. And for some people, it's a deep ocean. And it's mm. you know, very mm. hard to excavate. For some people, it's a surface level river that they eventually can figure out and pull up all the stones. Uh, but that, to, to me, that, that's the, the big thing that you move towards as you start becoming a master manifester. Yeah. So how do you think we can do that? Because you, you even use that phrase like hacking your subconscious. So there's like this conditioning that people have had for many years through whether it's our parents or education, our environment. Um, people saying an affirmation, but they still say it doesn't work. I, I've tried it. Like there's plenty of people who say that affirmations work. Others say that it doesn't. And then I know the response, a typical response would be, well, you just have to believe it. Right. But the question, I guess, once again, would be, well, what does, what does believe really mean then? Like, obviously it's a complicated question and, you know, faith and belief is very complicated. It's an absolutely fascinating thing. What does it mean to believe? In something because yeah. a religious person right like you know my background i grew up religious a religious yeah. person would say <clears throat> faith or belief you know it's synonymous to religious people it's uh trusting in god let god do whatever he wants to do right. or you know um if you're spiritual 
you'll say, let the, you know, the universe will do what's best for you, which means maybe you're meant to have these, you know, to suffer a little yeah. bit more to teach you these lessons. But another brotherly, no, belief is, you know, you, you, you believe a certain way, you can get out of that reality. It's just a matter, it's up to you. So I, I, I know it could get a little yeah. tricky, but do you have any? I think that the greatest teacher was Jesus. I mean, really, I mean, when, when you read into it, he knew exactly, he told us how to, to do affirmations without vain repetition. If I'm just repeating the affirmation and over and over again, I'm just thinking of the opposite, that you have to go into the feeling of it and believe. You have, you, you have to believe in order to receive. You have to believe first. The process of believing first is difficult. And this gets to why people struggle when they hear the Neville Goddard technique, but then it doesn't work for them. And why I think that in many ways, Neville Goddard didn't, when you listen to him, I don't think he really realized how difficult it can be to properly manifest. It is like an art form. It's very much, it reminds me of swinging a baseball. If if you've ever swung a baseball at a really, really good pitcher, like somebody that throws a curveball or like a hundred mile per hour fastball and, and you get really good at it and you swing and you might be able to hit it 20% of the time. And there's an art form. And each time you do, you have to move your body and collect your mass and lean in and gain power and use your footwork. And it's like playing golf, right? It, it, it really is. You're constantly manifesting with every single breath. Right. That's the thing that okay. is so hard for people to understand. Every thought is a thing. And oftentimes it's two thoughts that are opposite. And so oftentimes it's it's the majority of thoughts that end up being creative. If if you know, you know what I'm saying? So if uh, what what I have found is that it's through that if you can truly believe that you're in it, people don't understand that. A good place where I really understood that was taking acting lessons. And when you have ever taken an acting lesson or written fiction, it's a good place to start. When you really delve into a character and escape from the outside world and imagine an event, it's not something that you're just sitting and doing for a couple of minutes in a meditation, although that's a good beginning place. Right. When I do meditations, I really think it's it's the beginning place. But when you, when Neville was so good, because he was an actor. I mean, the thing I didn't know about Neville is that he also acted. He was a dancer on Broadway, but he also had credits as an actor on Broadway. So he memorized his line. He delivered it. He knew how to get into the role and he was physical so he could move his body and dance. And he was so, oh, I can manifest just like that because he embraced the physicality and the reality of the role. And he could imagine he could go into a situation and if he wanted to be a football player, he could really imagine that he was the football player holding the football, engaging the senses. And for a lot of people, that's hard to do. Sounds great. Sounds easy, right? But it's really not at the beginning until you understand it. And so that's why people may struggle. That's why Neville Goddard maybe didn't understand. It's kind of like I've said before, like if Michael Jordan tries to teach you how to play basketball, um he, well why aren't you dunking it you know <laughs> why aren't you just you know shooting it from there you know you take things for granted so that that's one of the things i've noticed with some of those great teachers is that they still they're not really engaging how difficult it is it's one reason why i kind of think that there are certain kinds of virtual reality that'll become very powerful when we understand how it works because i think that even tv and media is creating we see it manifesting in the world there's going to be a point where there's some device that is able to capture a reality in first person in a certain way so it engages our senses 
maybe with, with, with certain drugs, I don't know, but I do believe I can feel it in my heart that we're going to get into a place where we engage ourselves uh, in a certain way so that, boom, we start to see that reality then happen in our lives. Right. So basically, That's the thing. yeah. Yeah. You're saying basically it's either, you know, whether you use affirmations, uh, visualizing virtual reality, I guess what you're saying is that when it comes to believing, it's a matter about like being the thing, like feeling it, feeling the reality. Really actually being senses. in it to where you are not considering it from another person. With the subconscious mind, it does require a variety of different techniques. The thing that I had is I, I if somebody tells you something a thousand times and then you try to change that belief with one time it's hard so i've found repetition through sleep meditation for me was a really powerful technique now some people they don't do well in sleep meditations they can't sleep in the sleep meditation <laughs> but i i have found that if i find the right meditation and and if i can repeat it and i can get comfortable and sleep with it and wake up it can guide me in a certain way that i truly was able to reprogram my subconscious because there is a point where you can really communicate with your subconscious and that's right before you sleep. And I, and I love how Joseph Murphy would teach it that Eve is really just the subconscious, right? And then Adam would sit in bed and they, they might quarrel, but the one time that they would interact is, is right before they go to sleep. You know, that's how it is. You know, you, 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 you go and you, you meet with your lover, your subconscious is also your lover, right? You meet at right before you're going to sleep, you have this opportunity to really engage and communicate with your subconscious. And that's when you can change the belief. Uh, as I mentioned in the book, you, you, you've seen the movie Lady Hawk, right? Lady Hawk? I'm not sure. I totally recommend it. It's, a, it's an okay. obscure movie. But if you get a chance, you should watch it. Mm. Michelle Pfeiffer, Rucker Hauer. He was in Blade Runner. Oh, and, yeah. I know Rucker Hauer, yeah. And sure. so the story was, <laughs> in, in, in the daytime, he's a hawk. And at, at night, he's a wolf. And they loved each other, but they were cursed. So they could never truly spend time with each other. So in the day, she would fly as a hawk. And at night, he would shift into a wolf. And then they would both turn human, right? But right at, as the sun would rise and as the moon would, as the sun would go down, they were both in that form. And they could oh, communicate and talk to each other. Okay. And that, to me, is kind of like what's happening with our subconscious. That we can have a direct role in and that's why Neville Goddard taught falling asleep to the wish fulfilled right, right, because you're in, right. you're in that moment where you're um, attracting the subconscious but there are people that have such deep beliefs even then it's difficult and that's why i think you can go deep into repetition for some people in the, in a, and there's so many others i've seen hypnosis really well done hypnosis work in changing someone's subconscious i've seen physical exercises done in a certain way to change somebody's subconscious and really with everything that's human everybody's different you know and we're like snowflakes in the way that we um adapt and change our beliefs and subconscious so it's basically like whatever works for you right because i i think that's a good point because i'm sure you get these questions because i i get these questions a lot where there's oh what's what's the best technique to use and i'm like well it depends <laughs> it depends on you you know so like you were yeah. saying for some people it's falling in that you know assumption or doing affirmations during the day you know, if we want to talk about repetition, is there is there such yeah. thing as a right or wrong way to do an affirmation? Like, what if I were to say something like, you know, I don't want a lot of debt or I don't want to be sick. Like, what do you think of affirmations like that? Because even though people may not say it like verbally out loud, they probably think it like, I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get, you know, what do you think about those affirmations, even if it's like an internal one? 
Well, if that's your starting point, then at least you have a starting point. But the bottom line is when when you say don't in an affirmation, there is some, especially I learned this when I learned how to um, do hypnosis, that there, people don't hear the don't. And so I don't want debt. And then, they, and then the subconscious might say, I want debt. So you got to be careful about saying don't or neg negative clarifications. Everybody's a little bit different, but it is good to be a wordsmith when you do your affirmations. Every word is important. Uh, you know, I, I like the you are and the I am. I like to hear a recording saying you are beautiful. You are wonderful. Me too. I, like that too. I, I like that. I am comforted by it. I have a you are affirmation. At the same time, I like the I am. And I, when I hear it, I can say the I am. I, I've also tried a combination of both, like literally in one ear, I am and you are flowing in both ears. And sometimes that's great. Nice. Uh, but but really, affirmations are something that you should you should be a collector. You should collect affirmations. You're hearing them and reading them all the time if you're into spiritual works. And when you hear one that really lights you up, you should write that down, put it up, find it and save it. And then and then you'll come back to it because it's not necessarily the words, it's your response to it. It's the way you respond and the way it shifts your state. And so then you can sometimes merge them and gather them, change them. You learn certain words that are powerful. I read this thing on Instagram that bugs me. The thing that says, the I am affirmation is just in the root chakra. And you really should be careful <laughs> about doing that because it, it, that is the biggest BS <laughs> ever. The root chakra has literally nothing to do with the I am. All of the different things in that, you know, that, that are, are good. You can say, I know. You can say, I assume. I thrive. One of the power things um, I've learned with affirmation is from Anthony Norvell, and which he teaches, you can give a really elaborate, wonderful affirmation, dig into it, feel it, and then sort of use the first two words later. I thrive and and harmonious and wealthy and wonderful and I've overcome debt and, de and, and all these things. And then when you have it set in stone, then you can just say, I thrive. And I found that to be powerful too. But I think that, you know, with affirmations, if there, there there is an underlying current also that I've noticed, I can hear. I have a popular affirmation on one of my videos that's really uh, large sums of money. That that uh, uh, you know, I'm so happy and grateful now. Large sums of money come to me easily and quickly. And but I've heard other people do that affirmation, and I can hear the energy when they're saying the affirmation. It's coming from a lack. I, I can hear the nervousness, like. It's the energy that the, you know, when I'm, when I'm giving my affirmation, I'm, I want to come from the state also. And I hear that when I'm listening to affirmations, it's like, oh, that, I can feel it. You know what I mean? So um, it's such a complicated and wonderful thing, but affirmation, you know what, if you're as a Neville fan, do you notice he really didn't teach the affirmation? Yeah. Not, right? not as much, not as much, but he did mention Some, something wonderful is happening now. Yeah, I am that I am something wonderful is happening now. I am safe. I'm happy. I'm secure. I think I feel safe. Lavish, I'm happy, steady, secure. dependable income, right. all that stuff. And yeah. literally, but it wasn't a lot. It wasn't. A it lot. was like there's like 10. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, out of 300 lectures. <laughs> probably, probably less than 10. <laughs> right. So he wasn't he was not teaching that. And I disagree with Neville on that. And I know as a fact that the Joseph Murphy and Neville came from Abdullah and they no. learned from the same. And I and I I seem to respond more to the Joseph Murphy way of teaching and the way it's a way of speaking to the subconscious mind. And there are these key words that are so freaking powerful 
that a lot of them he pulls his affirmations from like psalms and then he, he has the there, there's a certain structure to the psalm that you know and i think and i have an episode where i read the psalms and when i noticed these are magic spells like i'm feeling a literal difference as i'm saying and i have no idea what this is talking about <laughs> right so <laughs> done with that right no, it's yeah. all good. I mean, just like you, I'm I'm really big in affirmations. I noticed that too with, with Neville. You know, he just has a, a handful of them. And but like you, I like I have, you know, on my phone, I literally, before I kind of start my day, like or start working on stuff, I literally just sit down and I go through my affirmations. And probably people wonder, well, why does Josh have to do that? You know, if he's always like into manifesting all these things. Because I'm I'm a words guy, just in general, you know. Yeah. So even with my wife, words matter, you know, and so, so when I could just read something like a little short phrase and yeah. um, like, uh, like you, I, I feel a lot just through words, especially if it comes from someone that I care about. Like if it's just a critic or whatever that I don't know, whatever, <laughs> you know, so words don't yeah, really yeah. matter in that sense. But when I'm giving myself an affirmation, like saying I am, or I even say Josh, like I even write stuff down, Josh, you're this. And even yeah. though I'm saying it in that kind of form, like, you know, as if I'm not saying I am like you, it actually affects me. You know, so I, I, I get what you it mean does. on how it really it really depends on the person that what helps you create that state of consciousness and that belief that we're all aiming for. Because ultimately, that's what we're aiming for. Right. Yeah. Is that feeling that belief because we could be doing affirmations all day and just like Jesus or even Neville talks about, you know, you don't want just these vain repetitions, but you can start doing it even if it's like empty. And in like the you mentioned in your book, right? you, you have a good record. You yeah. look in the mirror, you look into yeah. your eyes and you say it right. I mean, yeah, that to me is. When I go to bed and I'm done brushing my teeth and I look in the mirror and you know what I mean? I oh, have, that, sure. that also works really well for me. When I it's like I'm talking to to someone else, like exactly. Dude, listen to me, man. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen up here. <laughs> listen, man. You know, right? just talking to your, you know, even like a little version of you, you know, like talking to that little child inside of all of us. I even do stuff like that. My wife does stuff like that where you could even imagine just talking to your, you, like a younger version of yourself. Yeah. And just giving I'm some a big encouragement. Fan of that too. And, um, there's just so many things that we can do. And even kind of relating to your story, you know, and how you kind of jump this other timeline, so to speak. What are ways that we can hack our reality and, and jump into a desired timeline besides affirmations? Like, what are some tips that you can give? on how to actually do that. Something very practical, if you if you could share something with us to jump into a desired timeline. Yeah, so if we are understanding the way that quantum particles actually jump, when we monitor a subatomic particle and we watch how it actually jumps, it doesn't just slide over, it's not propelled. There's a sudden burst of energy and then it's gone and then it appears in another place. So what is happening when we're shifting into another reality is different than manifesting manifesting is sort of aligning yourself to something that may be already happening within the reality and you're uh, attracting is uh, you're attracting by your actions and words and energy something into your reality that's already there what you're doing with shifting into another reality is you're shifting into a, a, a an, another reality which means there may be a different past maybe a different history you may not be aware of it you may be holding on to the memory of your past, but it's some—it's an entirely different universe where different stuff has happened. And there is a universe where you were super successful. You're entering into a literal different space, a dimension that is different than your own. Each of these realities has a different um, dimension and flavor to it. And so um, what I found is 
incorporating energy techniques is a good first step that I had kind of learned from Cynthia Sue Larson, who wrote a book on quantum jumps. And I could do uh, Qigong, which really amplifies my energy if I do it right, where I um, do different movements and Qigong techniques. And I'm feeling like pumped up. A lot of times if I'm doing it after a workout, even if you're, you're, my heart's a little bit elevated, I, I, I like to hang upside down or get on a vibration machine for a little bit. Something that really jacks up my energy. I do a fire breath. And then if, if I propel myself, I enter into a void state where it's something that I learned from Joe Dispenza is that you go into a, a state where there is infinite possibilities. And part of that is sort of letting go of all the things that define who you are. Eliminating your identity, the idea of where you're from, your gender, your politics, that you start going through the list of things that define who you are. And then you just wipe that clean and you go into this void space where you are nothing. You're just nothing. And then from that space, you start to see the potentials that are available to you. And then you start to find and imagine a, a potential for your own life in the way that you want it. And then you do some sort of energy technique and it jumps you into the consciousness. And then you're literally in a different body and you're trying to get used to this new body. And the better and better you get at it, you're traveling the multiverse like an astronaut. <laughs> mm, mm, crazy. You know, that's very similar to Neville's technique. I don't know if you're familiar it, with it. It is. One. He has a heavy the, breathing the technique. Yeah. I am absolutely convinced that he was teaching parallel reality shift. Another thing that he taught that's fascinating is literal astral travel into other realities. In one oh, of yeah, his yeah. lectures, he did that a lot. He, he talks yeah. about traveling into a reality, checking it out, and, and like you're a positron. He taught yeah, basically yeah, yeah. you go into some future event and then you yeah. snap back into where you are now, but you're like logged into this new timeline. And so that's what was so powerful about Neville is he was teaching it, though he probably didn't even know he was teaching it uh, yeah, with yeah. The, you know, limited understandings of science at the time. He had already experienced it. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. He did a lot of astral travel. He just called it imaginal travel, you know, and he would like end up within his, in his sister's place. And, you know, the sister would see the son's face. It would be Neville's face on the right. sun. I don't know if you remember that story. Yeah, he did a lot of that. That's pretty Why cool. in that story does he not heal the sun? I don't know. I remember that one. But he was just saying that, um, you know, yeah, he, no one really dies in the end. But yeah, I know that was that was a question that yeah. popped up in my mind, too. So. Right. Like, but he instead does, of showing him, but he had a, he obviously had his reasons like. He's not worried about death. That that's really you didn't, he didn't go around healing people from death. In fact, um, he I I just read a lecture where he would somebody'd say, "I want freedom." They were sick and they were dying. He's like, "Okay." And then like a couple seconds later, they passed on. He imagined for them and and he imagined their death for them. Like he was never worried about saving anybody. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's his. Well, I know he had so many like out of body experiences where he would see the the other side, so to speak, and. Right. He just said, "Hey, it's just it's just a continuation. We never really die, you know." But of right. course, for some of us, we want we want to continue in this life for our reasons that we have. But yeah, I found that very interesting too. You know, like with with those yeah. kind of situations, like, well, why don't you just heal? <laughs> but you know, sometimes things don't happen the way that we would want it, or maybe you know, yeah, just stuff happens in life. Sometimes we don't get exactly what we want for whatever reasons. If we fail to manifest or believe in a certain way. Um, but the good news is, is that consciousness does continue as, as you and I and Neville teaches as well. But uh, yeah, yeah, those, that, those, those are what some I find questions. fascinating with Neville is I still am finding new stuff. Me too. I've read, I've read 300 lectures and I'm still finding like, what? 
Like the other day I read, I read one where he, he's talking to a, another friend that's entering into someone else's body. And then they become the girl They like becomes the girl and she's driving her new car. <laughs> right. And then um, I, I had already heard a portion of that. And then I heard the continuation that he got stuck in the girl's body because he wanted her <laughs> to break up with the guy. And he like thought something sort of unlovingly. And so he could, he was stuck and his wife said he couldn't move. And so, so like he was That's teaching, crazy. like you have to be loving when you're imagining for someone else. Right. So, you know, me too. I teach Neville stuff pretty much every right. week for the longest time. And I'm always finding new stuff because you got to like dig through his lectures. Right. Cause obviously right. his and, books are limited, but there's just so much in his lectures that he's yeah, had for uh, the decades. lectures are so the the falling backwards is interesting. The idea that he would teach that that like he told he says Walter Blake or, or William Blake told William him. Blake, I don't yeah. He had these visitations from William Blake that he taught him. Oh yeah, if you want to travel to, uh, you want to just you just fall backwards into your reality. So, <laughs> so I have a falling backwards meditation where That's you feel awesome. yourself. Falling backwards. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, dude. Yeah, that, that, right? that's amazing. I never man. know yeah. what I'm gonna get because there's still something new out there, right? One of the things that I did appreciate, another thing I appreciated about your book too was because not only are both you and I into Neville, but both of us got really into reality transferring. And I and, and mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that's how I discovered you, but um I know that's that's that was something that I was grateful for because I studying the law of attraction. Obviously, we talk a lot about resistance and all that stuff, but mm -hmm. I think with transurfing, what really helped me to understand that part better was the whole law of balance thing. And I it would really teach was. that on my channel. And I remember that was eye-opening for a lot of people who were in, into Neville and into law of attraction because they've never really heard like just the way transurfing taught it, you know, the, the law of balance and how all that stuff worked. And when I read your that part in your book, I, I really liked the way that you explained it. And I'm yeah, could you do you mind explaining how the what the law of balance is and how it works for our listeners that are not familiar with that? Yeah, I mean it's a universal law that everything runs to balance. So if you look at nature, the water may be sloshing around, but eventually it's going to go to balance. Everything goes to balance. And so what happens oftentimes in the manifesting community, somebody wants to meet a specific person or they want to have a specific job and they're so desperate for it. <laughs> then they're like, please, I want this so bad. Please, I want this so bad. And then like, please, please, please. And, and it, like they put it up on this pedestal. They make it so important that there's a balancing force that literally comes into play and knocks them off the pedestal. And so in, in order for you to properly manifest that thing that you want, you cannot, you cannot overemphasize it so that the energy becomes bundled up and distorted because in that importance, in that I need, have to, got to have this, there's also there's also this little bit of lack, like I can't have it, it's not going to happen, I don't have it yet. And and, and because of that, there th that's the balancing effect that occurs. And a lot of people found this very applicable, not just in philosophy, but they found when I reduce the importance of this thing, like I really want to get into this new house, I want to move to this new city, I want to, whatever it is, literally everything, that if I can, I want this, but it doesn't, it's, I'm not, I'm going to reduce the importance of it. And and when I do that, when I, it, it is more in line with truly manifesting that it's that sweet spot, that Zen flow. It, you see it in, in, in sporting events, when people try too hard, they, they don't do it as well. Um, it's, it's, it, it's right. literally in everything. It's, 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 I see it in tennis. I see it in so many things. So it, if you can find that sweet spot, in your manifesting, 
that's how it is applicable, at least for what we're talking about. And that's how they talked about it. There's a balance with everything. So if I'm super arrogant, I'm going to be taken down on some oh. level, right? I will pie. Also, if I'm super too humble, then I'll, right. it, you know, it'll be raised. Like literally every portion of your personality needs to be balanced. There's a really cool technique I learned for in the law of one is like, as, as you go to sleep, go through the day. And if this was hard, hard for me from the manifesto perspective, consider the opposite emotion of whatever you went through. So, you, you know, if, mm. if you were hateful, then you were loving, you, you imagine the loving part. And if you were loving, you imagine the opposite, you imagine the hateful part. So that you balance your emotions, you balance the flow of these emotions you know where you are and what you want, and you know what your focus is. You're here for love, but you also energetically need to balance these emotions because these distortions are creative. And so the law of balance is super important because there's always a balancing return effect on everything that you do. So, so how would we do it? Like if, if I were to give a specific scenario where someone says, well, rents, rents due tomorrow. Okay, I shouldn't place too much importance, but it's due tomorrow. What do I do, Brian? Like, what's what's something practical it, it, that it, I hey, can do? Probably the hardest thing, right? I mean, it's probably the hardest thing to learn how to deal with importance. But Neville would have taught you if 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 your rent's due on Friday, you get the feeling of Friday. Oh, yeah, you just go yeah. into it. And it's no problem. <laughs> just gonna feel it. I got the belief. I got the faith. But hey, it's hard for us when we got to pay their damn rent. We're going to lose our house, right? <laughs> right? I get it. And so, you know, How do you it's always that. Right. So, so if you can get good at that, that's when you know that, um, you know, that's a huge test. And so when you have highly emotional moments that are uniquely centered within yourself, if you can separate yourself from what it is you're trying to manifest so that it's not self importance. If you can continue to do this and remind yourself on a regular basis, what happens is I think ultimately you have enough wonderful successes that when you do have that moment come up where the rent is due, you know it's going to work out because of the number of times it's worked for you in the past. And the truth is, I'm telling people that are listening, is that I've had the rent due. I've had the rent due on Friday and I have had a $20,000 payment when I was with Amazon. And I was like, I have no clue how I'm going to be able to pay this. And I had the money that came in to the dollar on that day in my account. And so then I was like, I, I was blown away, right? Then the next time it happened, I still doubt it because <laughs> your part of you still thinks that uh, was just, you know, that is luck, right? But But it will continue. And so it, it, it's it's an art. It's an art. And, and it's hard to hit against a 100-mile-per-hour pitcher. It's a lot easier against a 75-mile-per-hour pitcher or somebody throws up a big softball to hit the ball. And so that's one of those harder times in which to use your imagination. But if you can control your emotion and, and, and stop future thinking, well, a lot of time it's doom thinking where you're thinking of the worst-case scenario. Um, you know, I, I kind of learned that from Tim Ferriss in the four-hour work week. We just, just take the worst-case scenario. Is it really going to be that bad? Then, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to reduce the importance of this. I'm going to see myself getting the money. And then it seems to work out. If you can release the expectations of it sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, that's always going to be a lot harder than in a, And so um, I recommend trying to 
Imagine that you receive your rent continually in, in harmony, in the best interest of all on a regular basis, and continue to affirm that so that you never, ever have to worry about it again. And then that always works out better, you know? That, that, that is much better instead of having to always have it last minute, right? So you want more of like right. overflow. So with, with you, like you were mentioning the money, reading your, your story too in the book, like you did have some financial difficulties and then you eventually got out of those like large you know, mm -hmm. sums of debt. What's a good technique that you can share for just people to have that accumulation of just mon money coming in on a regular basis, you know, without having well, to just barely that, make that it? Well, that is obviously one of the, the sneakiest, the hardest things, because as soon as you focus on, you're going to get more of whatever you focus on, you seem to increase. You even, so, you even you know, said that as an affirmation, right? Where you said more of, and then you got more debt. <laughs> right. So you were talking about like so, having to be more specific. Yeah, there's a, you know, there's a couple really good affirmations for that. And I would just say, I'm so happy and grateful now that for the complete payment of all financial obligations in God's own wonderful way. And I would continue to say that it wasn't about the debt, it's just complete payment of financial obligations. And I'm grateful for it. And I wouldn't focus on the debt. And then the large sums of money affirmation really works for me. I'm continually thinking of large sums of money that come to me easily and quickly in increasing quantities from multiple sources on a continuous basis in the best interest of all with the free will of all that I get to keep giving, invest and uh, invest and circulate joyfully. And if I continue Bam. to say that on a regular basis and embrace that, it's literally a lifestyle. When you, when you receive large sums of money once, that's great, but then you don't receive it again. That kind of sucks. It was nice <laughs> that one time, but then it didn't work, right? Um, yeah. and, or if you get the, the large sums of money and it's super difficult, like it, it, you had to jump through a thousand hoops and you had to apply at, at the bank and there and, and, and it took like five months and then like a million times it almost didn't go through. It, it, you, that's not any fun. You don't want to you, you want it and you want it to come quickly. So you, you get the money and they say, yeah, we'll we'll have it for you in four years. And so you're waiting for four years and you're thinking about it, right? You don't want that. So you you always want the large sums of money. You don't want the penny, even though it's wonderful to get the penny. You want the large sums of money that comes to easily and quickly. And then you want the, the amount to increase. Uh, what oftentimes you start getting some money and then it goes down and the down and, and it starts fading out. So I try to imagine the money increasing continuously. So it's not just one time that it increased um, continuously and from multiple sources. So that I'm not not focused on just this one source of income. And then if this income falls through and then I'm starting to worry about, well, oh, what would happen if this doesn't work out or I get shut down or something? Uh, too um, much important. So, right. So I reduce them from multiple sources on a continuous basis in the best interest of all, because I could you always whenever you start manifesting, you get opportunities to make money where you can really hurt other people. You can manipulate them. You can scam them. It seems like it's a part of the system, the game you're given. Oh, you can scam these guys. You can make some money. Do you want to do that? I mean, you need to survive, right? So I, I want to manifest opportunities that are in the best interest of all with the free will of all. So I'm not enslaving anybody. Um, and then I get to keep it because many times I would, uh, I would get money and then I would immediately have to pay it back out. Like, oh, <laughs> I got 20,000. Oh, it's gone. And like, oh, I did manifest a large sum of money, but then I there's had a to bill. pay it because yeah. there's a judgment that came in, a bill that came in or some weird thing that came in. Right. So I want to keep it. I, I want to invest it. I want to circulate it. I want to spend it because I want to be able to spend it however I want.
And so those right. are the, that's sort of the mindset I'm going into. And it, and that's one way I try to affirm and imagine it. Yeah. That's good. I'm glad you mentioned even the spending part, right? Because if you're hoarding too much of it, that's also placing too much importance. Yeah. All that en- you know, energy in one spot. Um, You know, so you, you talk about like just manifesting more money and, but when, when someone is trying to imagine like large sums and we try to tell them, just imagine having a large sum of money, try to feel it. But what if someone says to you, Brian, but how, how can I imagine and feel something I've never experienced before? What would you say to that? You start to ask by saying, what would it feel like if? And, and you just play around with that question. What would it feel like if I got 20,000 in the bank? What would I do? Who would I call? You know, would my friends, who would I, who would I talk to my friends? What would I spend it on? How would I spend it? Start spending that and then going into that. Oh, you yeah. can figure out what it feels like. Yeah. If you ask yourself, what would it feel like if that's a good place to start, but it truly is the hardest thing. Cause a lot of times I find people do manifest the large sums of money. They might be turning on, they might turn on breaking bad and they see a, a you know, a garage <laughs> full of money and then a manifest that they talk about it in reality transurfing. Like there it is. I manifested it. I literally saw it in my reality. You have, you, uh, you know, it's, but it's part of the story that I'm watching on TV. Right. So it has to be something that you feel and experience for yourself, for yourself that you are a part of. Good point. Good point. Because Neville even talks about it's like the power of implication, right? So if, instead of thinking of the money of itself, what would you do if you had all that money? Oh, I'd be buying. What would you be, be doing? Who would you be talking to? What would you be experiencing? Yeah. Good point. Right. That you shared. Um, the you heart know, is the manifester. The subconscious is the heart, and I think that it doesn't care about actual amounts. Like it, it doesn't even a million is the same as a dollar. It's the it's it's the experience of it. And the experience of it. Right, when I say point. large sums of money, I'm thinking in my mind about the experience and freedom of it. I am free. I am free when I feel that it's the signature of freedom and satisfaction. What you shared in your book too, you were talking about how you even had some issues with your health. Um, like you had experienced pain one day, like at breakfast and you were eventually you were able to like heal yourself. Do you mind talking about like how, how, how can we manifest and hack, you know, our reality when it comes to health. Yeah, I, I think I in the book that, that it was kidney stones. It is possible when you get sick in the middle of the day or whatever. If I woke up and I had a cold and I tell everybody in the world, hey, I got a cold. I'm sick. I'm sick. I got a cold. Um, then it's just going to continue. But if I, you know, if I say and declare I'm happy, I'm healthy, everything's going well, oftentimes that you'll see that it gets better. There's always a mental connection to your sickness on some level. Sometimes the sickness itself is a symbol of what you're experiencing. And you're in your obvious, right? Your obvious pattern is, well, I'm sick. I got something, something I came down with something. But if you can remember in those moments that the whole world is, is a mental construct and you can find that place where it's mentally happening or simply a say and affirm that you're better, sometimes you'll get better. Obviously, that there are different levels of healing that are involved with anything. But I, I, I have found I had gotten out of the habit when I start to get sick that I just assumed that I was sick. And I would say to myself, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling better. And it does work. You can put yourself into a state that improves your condition for sure. You know, one of the things that is really big in the manifesting world is they talk about love, right? Specifically romantic love. But even though you did address that, one of the things that I did like about your story in the book was this whole topic about uh, self-love, 
you know, loving yourself, especially with something that you were struggling with as you were growing up and something that you were self-conscious about. And as you know, my story, when you interviewed me, you know, when I was talking about like my mm-hmm. hand before, and I was always conscious about it. And when I read yeah. your part of your book, I didn't know this part about you until I read that part of your book, if you know what I'm talking about, but you were, yeah, you were yeah. deeply self-conscious about something and then you were able to over time overcome it. You know, you mind sharing that a little bit? Yeah. If you, if you're interested in romantic love and you don't love yourself, how are they going to love you? And really it's the first step to any sort of love is, is to finding love for yourself. And so sometimes that can be kind of hard, but it's the way for you to learn about how to love someone else. You forgive yourself, you see your flaws, you get used to it. But if you can come to a true love of yourself, and for some time, people, that actually means spending some time alone with yourself, getting to know yourself. But uh, everybody struggles with it. I see it all the time. I see people that have such a low self-image, low self-esteem. I wish there was more that I could do. I wish I could tell them that they're beautiful and that uh, that they should be loved and they love themselves. But there really is nothing that anybody can do until they themselves can look in the mirror and say, you know, you, you're pretty cool. You, I, I love you, man. And 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 that's hard to do, and and it's hard to explain or experience. It's not um, it's not selfishness. It's not arrogance. It's and, and some people might mistake it for that. It might it's not narcissism or anything like that. Um, it's it's a level of of acceptance, of giving yourself permission, of of truly in, in, in respecting yourself. And allowing yourself to be who you truly are is is, is that self-love. You enjoy spending time with yourself. The first thing to really look at is, okay, do you enjoy spending time by yourself? Yeah. A lot of people don't. They feel very uncomfortable by themselves. They need to be with someone else. So, I mean, that's the first step. But there's a lot of other steps to it. But um, if somebody out there is struggling, finding love, you know, just take a step back and ask yourself, do I love myself? And if not, deal with that. And then you'll start to bring out things that are loving about yourself. And then you'll find that you'll find love in other places. I was able to find um, wonderful romantic relationships once I was able to love myself. And before that, I was always attracting other people that didn't love themselves or I wouldn't, you know what I mean? It was other people that didn't love themselves or they didn't respect me. It was always a reflection of how I treated myself. Yeah, totally. Because you can manifest the, the money and the fame or whatever. And, but if you're like, if you don't love yourself, it's, you know, how, how, how fulfilling and meaningful will those things be? You know, I mean, yeah. even like when you were talking about how you were insecure about a certain feature of your body, you were wondering too, like how you would deal in the, in the relationship world. And I was feeling the same way where, um, like even when I was a kid, you know, like I'd be cutting my hair all the time, trying to dress all cool, <laughs> you know, dress with my baggy clothes and, um, right. You know, be a break dancer. And but even though I did all those things to try to like look good and be cool, I was very insecure about like because of my hand, I just thought, okay, no matter what, a girl right. still wouldn't like me, which is like the weirdest thing, you know. And then just like you in your book, when you were insecure about your your underbite, if you remember, right, right, you I, I remember that, that like, part. You didn't realize that people actually liked you, <laughs> yeah, you know. But but we yeah. were so you were so doubtful, I was so doubtful about myself. And when people say nice compliments to me, I'm like, oh, no, they're just lying. You know, <laughs> like in my head. I, re- I remember what you're talking about. Yeah. And I, I had an underbite where I could put three fingers from the first. It was all the way out so that um, I could not smile. I just couldn't do it. I would never smile because it would show my, you know what I mean? I was really bad. And so 
I, when I, when I got the surgery and had my jaw adjusted, it was very painful. I, I you know, I was jaw wired shut for three months. Wow. And then I came out, I noticed that people treated me the same as before. I was expecting people would be all like, you know, nicer to me and it would be cooler. <laughs> I noticed part of that might've been, you know, I, I did, I was much more accepting of myself, but I, I really realized a lot of it was just me. A lot of it was, and you might've also realized that like we overjudge ourselves right. and, and, you know, everybody that you, you go to the mall, go to the shopping center, when you're walking around and you see everybody, just know that 99% of those people are just completely in themselves. Yeah, they don't care. They don't even notice anything about you, right? Like they don't, they don't even notice. Like you think they notice your shoes? They don't even notice your shoes. They're thinking literally about themselves the whole time that you're talking to them. They're thinking about what they're going to say and they're thinking about themselves, right? And that's just how the world is, right? When uh so people appreciate attention on them and you can show them attention towards them more than just, you know, anything else. So, but yeah, I mean that was it. It was because I really thought that I was going to be treated totally different when I once I could smile. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. Oh, that's good. Good point. Love yourself first. Everything kind of flows from there. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, you know, as we conclude, Brian, um, you know, you I was really touched in your book when you were just being so vulnerable, talking about how like there was a point where you wanted to just give up and uh, you just lost a lot of hope, but then you didn't. I mean, as we end, is there anything, just in case there's anyone listening where they feel hopeless, they feel like giving up, is there any message that you want to tell them? Yeah, if you're out there and you're feeling discouraged, I just want you to just take a step back and just wait one day. You know what I mean? Just wait one day. That's all you got to do. Just, just trust me on that. Because I promise you that deep within you, there is a spark and you can literally overcome anything. And you can do anything, you can have anything, you can experience anything in a single breath, in a single moment, everything can change. And if you could just, just for a moment, be aware of your power and what's available to you and the potentials and the things that you can do and the things that you can experience, the places that you can go and the wonderful loves you can experience. I know it's hard right now and I know it feels like the end of the world. Of course it does. What has happened to you is terrible. It's totally horrible. It's not fair. It's not right. But you are not alone. Joshua and I are with you right now. I promise you, we share this moment with you. We're in this space with you. And we're telling you that it's going to be better. It's going to be better. That whatever you think is going to happen, it's not. The worst case scenario that you have in your mind is never going to happen. And it's not as bad as you think. And the good stuff that's still available to you is so much better. I promise you, it's truly amazing. And if you can just take a step back just for this minute, for this moment, and know that I promise you, I promise you that it's going to get better, that you're caught in some track of your mind, or you're thinking about some future thing that may never happen, or you're stuck in the past, some terrible thing that happened to you. Just let it go for just this moment. Take a deep breath. Go to sleep. Take a nap. When you wake up in the morning, just know that from that moment on, you can have and do anything that you want. Love it. There you go. Brian, the motivational speaker just came out right there. <laughs> right. That's right. So, so Brian, I really that, that was touchy, man. I even that even spoke to me. You know, what what's next for you, bro? Because I know you have a lot going on. I mean, are you working on a second book or are you just really busy with your, your podcast? And I finished the second you? book and decided not to and decided not to publish it. I'll, I'll send you a copy. Uh, I've okay. I've sent people on my newsletter a copy. It's called the Field Manual for the New Earth. And it was so complicated to research. I researched different channelings and different books that talked about the new earth that I realized that it was just like, if I was to properly write it, 
it was going to be like 1200 pager and it would be boring as hell and it'd be a lot of quotes a lot of quotes and and so what i had was i was okay with but i was like you know i'm i'm just not cool with it maybe i'll do some episodes out of some chapters and i'll start working on another book eventually but if you're like me it's not about the book or anything i every episode i do of my podcast is my creation that's where it's at you know what I mean? I enjoy it so like much. That. Each of those are a piece of art to me. When I create those, those are special to me. And each of those episodes, that's, I feel like I create a book in every episode that I exactly. do. Exactly. Yeah. You and, have and one of me, the, honestly, Brian, I got to say, you have one of the best channels on YouTube that I've seen when it comes to the spiritual, you know, area. Like yours is seriously one of the best. Thank you, you know? man. There's it like, a lot you have, you have, ev- you have everything. You have everything on there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, and it's qual it's top quality too. So, Yeah. I'm really proud of it. It's something I'm proud of. It feels good to have something like that I'm proud of. And and here's another secret is a lot of those episodes are just me trying to talk to my, like leaving a, a note for my son someday that like he'll come along and he'll he'll be like, um, how do I do this? How do I let go of my past or something? A lot of times that's what I'm doing with my episodes. It's just sending a, a little letter to my son or somebody out there who needs it, you know what I mean? So when you when you cross over, that's your immortality. You live on. It's my immortality, right? I appreciate right? that, man. So I mean, what's what's the best place? Where's the best place people can reach you? Like your website? You can find me at therealityrevolution.com and the best place is Brian Scott on YouTube. Okay, cool. So Brian, it was an honor. It's a pleasure. Thank you, um, brother. It's a pleasure to even just call you friend. And hopefully, you know, next time, you know, when I'm in yeah, Cali, last time we'll you were here, up. I invited you. We were supposed to hook up. We I were supposed know. to come for breakfast. I tried I to have you over for a barbecue. I Crazy felt bad. <laughs> no, it was also my fault, too. We, we both had different times and we didn't hook up. So next time it's you're here, bro. Next time, for sure, for sure. Yeah. It's already done. So, Brian, I want to just Sounds say good, thank man. you, man. It was a pleasure. Thank you, and thanks for being on the show. I appreciate your heart. And just everything that you're doing, it's making a huge, huge difference. I know that crazy. Like there's just so many lives that you're reaching more than you realize. I just want to, I just want you, you too, to know brother. that. Like, I'm uh, proud of you, man. Every you. time you put out a new episode, you're changing lives and I appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Thank you. You too. So alrighty, guys, cool, uh, once again, thanks for watching till next time we're out. Peace.